0: God's creativity did not stop in Genesis. The master artist is still working to redeem, reclaim, and transform us. With all the splendor and glory that we see in the book of Genesis, when God created, we were in awe of all that could happen at the voice of our living God. And it just came to be. When God spoke the word, it came to be. But our creator God did not stop creating in the book of Genesis. The master, artist, is still working to redeem and reclaim and transform his people through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we call you a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I remember the day when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was confused about what the gospel meant because I did not see displayed before me And I read the Bible for my first time by myself, was convicted at the fact at the age of 16, and called me now to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that moment where I moved from dead to life. I did not move from good to better. There was nothing good in me. It was total darkness. And now I'm living in marvelous light. And I'm here to tell you, dear parent, that the Master is still at work as we speak, and as we open God's Word together, I pray that you will respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your heart and that you will come and surrender your all to Him. Ephesians chapter 2, if you have a copy of God's Word, is where you're going to be. I'm thrilled about VBS. I'm really excited about this year's VBS. It has a really cool theme about a masterpiece, and today's message, I've entitled, I Am a Masterpiece. I Am a Masterpiece, and that's so profound for many of us, those of us who come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the Bible records that you're a masterpiece. You are no more living the way you used to live. You are now moved from death to life. Ephesians chapter 2, I'll catch verse number 8 and following. I thought Dr. Wayne Corey did a phenomenal job last week on the gospel message. And if you want to please go back and and, and listen to that. I had no idea. I started Ephesians 1, Dr. Wayne came in uh, chapter 2, and I'm finishing a a small passage in in Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. And if you did not underline that in your Bible, gift of God, make a big circle. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them that we should walk in them. You see, we are saved by Christ. Faith acknowledges and rests upon who Jesus is and what he provides for us. Let's look at this journey from the book of Genesis. We were created in his image, in his likeness, in Genesis 1.27. And God desires a relationship with us. Do you know, guys, it was not our idea to be married. I mean, we were alone, and God saw what a sorry losers we were, and he said, it's not good for this dude to be alone. That's what happened. We'd, and then when Eve came along, we were wowed. That's what happened to us. Our eyes were finally opened, right? So we were created in his image. And when we are created, God desires a relationship with those he've created. Our choice was sin. Do you know the only contribution you bring to the salvation message is sin? We make no other contributions. Our contributions is sin. God extends grace. Aren't you glad you have a God who shows mercy and grace? God extends grace. How? By sending Jesus to die for us. He, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. Now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Faith is our response. So you have faith, and I've taken my faith, and I chose to place it on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have faith, you've got to place it on someone or something. or oh, else it's empty faith. I took my faith, and I placed it in Jesus, and then salvation is a gift. It's a gift to us. Salvation is free, we often say, but not cheap. It costs the life of Jesus for us to move from death over to life. Am I amazed about the grace of God? You bet I am. I know me. There's only one friend I have who kept his word. His name is Jesus. You know, you have friendships and they'll tell you, Man, I'll die for you. They're lying. They're lying. There's only one friend who will die for you. His name is Jesus. And guess what? He had no reason to die for us. Because we were all sinners. Have you ever tried to take a blank piece of canvas and paint sin? (laughs) If you did not know, there's nothing good on that canvas. So try dying for something that's not good. That's what Jesus did for us. He died for us. Grace covers all the sin of those who trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And our response is faith. Well, I take my faith and I place it on Jesus. So salvation is entirely the grace of God. I like the way Scottish preacher Alistair Begg puts it. If you show up to heaven, what would you say? By what means are you here? The angel will ask you. If you answer because I... If you answer in the first person, you got it wrong. Because I went to church. Because I am a good person. Because I accepted Jesus. And He reminds us, the answer is in the third person. Because he... Because he saw me when I was lost in my sin and transgressions. And he came after me. You see, salvation is a gift from God. It is by grace you and I have been saved. And Christianity gives you the only identity that is received and not achieved. Being born again gives the only identity it is received. You receive the gift of Jesus Christ. You can't achieve it. There's no way. The only achievement we have, if you want to see our works, the Bible records for us, for the wages of sin is death. What did we bring into the salvation message? Sin. And if the wages of sin is death, if you want something, achievement, your achievement is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That means there is no boasting. You can't boast, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We need to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I can do nothing to save us. Dead people can't make dead people alive. Someone who's alive needs to make you alive. His name is Jesus. Jesus. So it is by grace you have been saved. And he says in verse number 10 that you are his masterpiece. The word master comes from uh, poma, the meaning of poem, meaning of a, of a great artwork. That's what it is. And a masterpiece is never hidden in the basement or in the closet. You know, if you're getting guests coming home, you take out the masterpiece and put it in the center of the table. The masterpiece. It's not for any ordinary guests. When the real guests come home, we have the masterpiece. You will not find a masterpiece hidden in the box somewhere lying in your garage. The masterpiece in every museum is a center of attraction so that anyone who sets eyes on the masterpiece, they will be wowed. And if you ask an artist what wows them, it's not just the, the masterpiece. Who did that? Who painted that? And I'm here to tell you, my dear friends, if you're watching online, when you come to know Jesus Christ and the life that you now walk in Him, people all around you will ask you, why do you choose to live the way you do? Do you know what they're asking you? Who's your artist? Who's your designer? Who's your designer? Sinclair Ferguson, a British author, this is what he said. Heaven is a final showroom and earth is a workshop as he paints on the canvas of our lives. So you and I are beautiful pictures of the grace of Jesus in the lives that you are called to live. I always, anytime I come up on this platform, I tell us and I remind us the church is God's plan A. He got no plan B. We are it. Yes. We have that responsibility. So, a masterpiece that we're talking about in verse number 10, a masterpiece is discovered in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot discover a, 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 a masterpiece without a relationship of Jesus Christ. And when you come to understand the gospel of Jesus and the masterpiece is discovered in your relationship with Jesus, you are now called to live out in a relationship in community where you live, where you work, where you play. So you come to be a masterpiece, now you are called to live, to walk it. In verse 10, where you live, where you work, and where you play. So we cannot play hide and seek if you are God's masterpiece. That's why you are the light of the world. You don't hide the light away. And perhaps you are here surrounded by lostness in the place where you work. Because if you believe that God raised the sun, you could also believe he placed you to shine bright in your workplace. You are a masterpiece. That's why I often say, if we neglect from pointing our children to the great creator God, you think the devil is neglecting? You think the devil is oversleeping his duty? Oh, I just forgot today. Today, I mean, I just forgot to point them to darkness. Well, today I just got too busy to point them to darkness. That's why I'm passionate about VBS. VBS. It is the one big week of excitement that we start a new journey for boys and girls that's brought before us. The kids that we have running around at home in your neighborhood, in the community, we have the great opportunity to help them move from death to life and start the journey of their masterpiece, life that God has called them. So there's three places that we shine to be masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. Number one, if you're taking notes, a masterpiece at home. Yes, a masterpiece at home. You know when you went to buy uh, your, the, the engagement ring? You know you have a budget, right? Guys, you, you have a budget, everybody does. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so you go to the jewelry store and uh, not that one, no. Oh, there's a zero at the end. No, not that one. And (laughs) I do got to eat as well, you know. So anyway, and moving down the line. And then the salesperson, what they do? They turn a light on. Bang. Wow, that ring becomes all of a sudden alive. And then as you go closer to the ring, then it begins to rotate. Do you notice that? Then now you're getting a 360 view of this ring. Oh, 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 I didn't know that. Well, you mean I can print the name at the back? Yes, you can. I'll take that. Sold. That's who we are at home, my friend. If you're following Jesus, you are on a rotating device and your wife, your children, your grandchildren are seeing everything about who you are. You can't hide. So how are you walking at home? You see, kids, our children and teenagers... They need two important nouns in their lives. They need someone, and they need somewhere. They need someone, and they need somewhere. Before anyone can wrestle with abstract concepts of faith and hope and the meaning of life, they need these two things, someone and somewhere. They need someone, a person, to model for them who is a true masterpiece in Christ. So husband and wife, parents, single mom, single dad, you at home, you are modeling, if you're following Jesus, who it is to follow Jesus because your life is like a 360 rotation happening in your home. You just can't hide. Can you truly say that I model to be a true masterpiece in my home? But not only in your home, a person, they also need a place. Can they see godly community in your home? The best place for a connection group to start is in your home. So your children see you living for Jesus. When we started churches in Connecticut, we were sixth year into the church plant. We were still the only married couple. I'm like, this is interesting. There's, there's no married couples. So we'll invite people home, and they thought, well, Sean and Destiny are the perfect marriage couple. Come on, buddy, come on home. You'll see the other side of us. And so they saw, like, oh, really? He said, yes, we trust Jesus together. That's why we have Marriage 101. A connection group, he had all and, of, and great studies and great groups for young couples to come get together and see how how does this mystery of marriage work? It's a mystery. Two people becoming one, if that's not a mystery to you, you're smarter than I am. Okay, It's a mystery. So you have children looking at you as your life is on display as a masterpiece. How are you doing it? you got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the master. Because your children need a person, need a place. Let me ask you, when was the last time your child opened the door and found mom and dad on the knees praying? Or someone called for dad. I'm sorry, mom and dad can't talk right now. They're having the quiet time. And there's a lot of young families in the room. What happened to family altars? Remember family altars, alters families? Oh, I'll tell you what happened. We have delegated them to Sunday school teachers, to the school, and uh, you go and come back. You can choose, you can vote for school superintendents and governors. You can't delegate and vote for your children. They are yours. They are there to stay. That's why I'm passionate about community. They need community. I believe a church is a people and a place. We always say, yeah, you know, the church is just a a people. Well, they need a place to gather, okay? It's a people and a place. Model to them what true Christian community is because let me tell you, they are not going to learn it out your door. They're not going to learn it out your door. When Relationships Matter, the book by Tom uh, uh, Sheftunis, uh, this is what he wrote about about when relationships matter. Listen to these five points very quickly. At your home, in your home, life-changing truths. Change how they see themselves or God. You want your children to learn to know about their identity? Teach them at home who they are in Christ. Teach them at home who is their God. Look at the Shema in the Old Testament. Number two, spiritual disciplines. Help them connect personally to God. Help your children to connect personally with God in the quiet time with God, in in, in the discipline of of prayer, in the discipline of Bible reading. If you don't teach them, no one's going to teach them. You are the masterpiece in your home. Number three, ministry opportunities. Increase their sense of mission. Teach your children at an early age that people don't have a Bible. Teach them at an early age that people don't know the name of Jesus. If I was you, after dinner every day, take them for a prayer walk in your neighborhood. And if you live in Shumakla, drive, okay? (laughs) How are they going to know how to love the neighbor if you keep them away from the neighbor? That's what you gotta do with with community. Pivotal circumstances or events. Compel them to rethink their priorities. We always want our children to have the best career. If they get Christ, it's a bonus. You got it wrong. You see, your career can't die for you. Jesus does. So get the priorities right. It's not being the star athlete of the team. It's knowing Jesus first. Significant relationships. Have them navigate their spiritual journey in community. Model what it is at home. How a a man talks to a woman. How a woman have that, that husband and wife role. Make them learn at home. Do you know why? They're not getting it on MTV. And they're not getting it on social media. The biggest place they need to to learn, their seminary is at home, your address. And we have great connection groups to equip you. If I was you right now, just go to uh, formyhome.org. John, Huff and Becky have started a blog post. Um, uh, Is yes somewhere? Show me a hand, John. I'm giving you a shout-out here. Follow their blog. They are writing, How Do You Have Family Worship? how you grow your family at home. Caitlin and and Ryan, they went on a mission trip to Wyoming Church Planters. They did an entire session on family worship. Unfortunately, we have delegated the God-given responsibilities of shining to be the masterpiece in our home to somebody else. You would, amen? Wow, that's a conviction, amen. So when I first came to Olive Baptist Church, I came to VBS, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is amazing. And my birthday falls on VBS. That's all the more better, right? Now we've got to go look for help to teach those children. Think about it. We've got to look for volunteers to teach our children at a place where they can run freely and learn about Jesus. We need to go look for volunteers now to sign them up. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And we always say, well, I'm worried about the next generation. They are under our care. Adam, their blood is on our hands. So whatever you plan in the local church, invite and involve your family so the children can see, because parents become catalysts of spiritual growth. People can't see God, but they can see people who follow God and follow His design. So I'm passionate about it. Parents, perhaps it's not the prodigal son, it's a prodigal parent. Because our pigsty, has air conditioning, heat, light, and water, and we got comfortable. God can't work with someone who you're pretending to be like. He can work with you. So stop acting like you figured it out and be you. When you be you, our God works wonders when you be you. But it can't work wonders who you're pretending to be like. Wow. Train them up. Show them the lostness around them. And make your child in their classroom be that one masterpiece who lives for Jesus. Number two. Wow, a masterpiece at work. A masterpiece at work. A masterpiece at work. Tony Dungy, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, you know, uh, and they asked him, he wrote a book, good, godly uh, leader, he wrote a book called Quiet Strength. And they asked him, uh, Tony Dungy, uh, Super Bowl champion team, how did you coach a team with such a demeanor and, uh, you know, uh, with someone like Peyton Manning in your locker room? He says, when I have my quiet time with God, I bring my quiet strength to the locker room. So, in the masterpiece at work, be productive, be fruitful, be faithful. I like the way Benjamin Franklin said it early to bed, early to rise makes a man a healthy, wealthy, and wise. Dead people give good advice, right? <laughs> That's what he said. You be fruitful. Be productive, be faithful, but you know the marketplace is not your home. You're You're not in control over that environment. So if you want to be a masterpiece, if you don't spend time with the master, you cannot be a masterpiece. If you are so busy, not making time to spend time with the master, you will struggle to live like a masterpiece. And the day you spend time with the master, people are drawn to people who spend time with the living God. Try it. He'll prove you, he'll show you how faithful God is. A masterpiece. And I'm afraid a lot of men, I was talking to a lot of men and trying to get a discipleship strategy, you remember ordinary men? And I'm talking to men all the time. Tell me, this is what they say. Oh, I want to be the best provider in my family. I work all these long hours. I take all these trips. I want to be the best provider. The answer is wrong. You can't be the best provider at the peril of being a lousy priest. When you be priest to your family, God will be the provider through you. Amen? You see, we're working so many hours neglecting our family and burning the midnight oil to be the best provider where you spend no time growing to be a priest in your home. So how do you shine as a masterpiece in your workplace? How do you live out the fruit of the spirit? In the workplace, if you are connected to the Master, you shine bright in your workplace. Shine for Jesus. Hey, nothing that I have done. It's a gift of God that I can live for Him. Perhaps sometimes people come to you at work, how did you answer so, so calmly? Don't you know they're gossiping about you? Or don't you know this is happening at work? You have low production rate. Don't you know? How do you still have a smile on your face? As long as Jesus is on the throne, I will have a smile on my face. Amen? That's how you shine. My good friend, Kerry Nuroff, some of his quotes are very hard to digest, and this is one. Listen to this. If you are winning at work and losing at home, you're losing. If you are winning at work and losing at home, you're losing. And so you and I are called because when people come and see you living that masterpiece life in the marketplace, they will marvel at the work that God is doing through you. And they're going to come sit and ask you, hey, how do you do it, man? You see, You can tell them of the person who's doing it through you. He has a name. His name is? Live a masterpiece. Never shy away from telling the gospel. You don't save people. We are just here telling who saves. His name is Jesus. Number three, a masterpiece in your home, a masterpiece in your workplace. I love this. A masterpiece in community. Man, a masterpiece in community. I love community. If you see me alone somewhere, it's either I'm in bad trouble. I love being around people. My team knows. My office, I'm always around people. I love being around people. And people ask me, so Sean, uh, tell us in one sentence, uh, what is Olive Baptist Church like? What is your church like? This is a sentence I came out. We are a local congregation with a global reach. I made it up. (laughs) We're a local congregation with a global reach. We love our neighbors and the nations. That's who we are. That's who we are. Because when you begin to pray or walk your neighbor with your children, let me tell you what happens. Strangers become friends, friends become neighbors, neighbors become families. That's what happens. When you go intentionally pray, take your kids. I have many families are calling and asking this summer, can I get a serve opportunity with my children? When I was a pastor in Connecticut, we, went, we closed church down because I was a pastor and I could do that, but, you know, uh, sorry, I can't hear. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we took our team to the Meals on Wheels. I think Steve Butler was with us that day. We were washing the kitchen and the entire packing facility of Meals on Wheels, and so we were busy cleaning up and, you know, helping them, and we finished. And at the end of the day, the manager of that site called me into the kitchen. He said, man, I just want to show you a picture, yeah? Okay? I thought, you know, we did something. But anyway, there was a child. She could reach this high and clean the wall tile. And the mother cleaned that high. And the manager said, I want to leave it that way to show people that's a great way of modeling what it is to serve with your child. She could reach this high, mother went this high. When last did you take your family and did something for the community because you want to teach your children the right way to live? See, we have many gifts, Paul told Timothy, but do the work of an evangelist. If you know Jesus, you're an evangelist. If, you're, if you know Jesus, you're a messenger. If you know Jesus, you're carrying the good news. You're carrying the good news into your community. Because when relationships matter, you need to spend more time with people all around. You need to have a, sp- a place where you go and just hang out. You need to have a place where, like every second Wednesday, I am at the coffee guy, 630 30. You want to meet me there? Buy me coffee. No problem. I'll buy you the next week, okay? I meet my small group. That's where we meet. That's where we hang out. That's his community. When we walk in there, people know we're studying the Bible and we're praying. They know. People love gathering together. I mean, look at Seinfeld. He had a diner. Right? Look at friends. They have a coffee shop. You know, I'll be there for you. Always. Look at the Fresh pinch of bel they always met in the kitchen. Whenever there's trouble, it's in the kitchen. It gets hot in the kitchen. Full house? Well, they're a the house. All right? What about Blue Bloods? Pastor, one of pastors' favorite shows. They have a dinner table. What about the office? Well, they have an office, right? What about Cheers? They're at the a bar. I mean, I'm not telling you join. I mean, but you have to have a place where everybody knows your name. (laughs) Why do you hide when you have so much good to share? You know what good news is? That you can have life in peace with the God who created you. I mean, we can't celebrate that good news. You're not going to celebrate when you go to the gas pump today, okay? That's not good news. But the church has become so complacent and the good news has become so familiar and marriage has become, oh, that's easy. We forgot the hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I'm telling you, this VBS season, we're going to have hundreds of children coming and searching for a savior. It's like Home Depot. We need your volunteers. Home Depot says, You can do it, we can help. That's the way it goes. How dare we not point our children to Jesus under our watch? That is why this year's VBS, we're collocating an offering and we're sending it to Zambia so they can have a VBS. So they can shine for Jesus. So you can take your family and live in the community. I know time is gone, but globally, do you know this? Listen to this. By 2025, the Western world will only be 20% of global Christianity. The rest of the world will consist of the other 80% of rapidly growing Christianity. And by the way, that's where they have lack of clean water. That's where they have lack of education, lack of medicine, lack of education, lack of job opportunities. They're going to go rapidly 80% while the Western world are just going to be stuck by less than 20%. Do you know why? We have trusted in our intellect and resources than being radically faithful to King Jesus. So guess who the missionaries are? When I first came to Olive, I heard some of the Vision 2025. The 678 building, the Crossroads building. Aren't you glad what Ethan is doing in the Crossroads? Let's give some praise in the house of God. Amen? (laughs) The missionaries who will take the gospel are going to be seated in VBS. They're sitting in the Corners building. They're sitting in your connection groups. They're sitting in Sunday school. That's a missionary who's going to take the good news to the ends of the earth. Why are you so passionate, Sean? Because someone brought the news of the gospel to my village in South Africa. If you don't be careful, we'll become pre-reform, pre-Reformation Catholics where only a few can do the work. I see a family here with VBS t-shirts. I'm so proud that they came through VBS, now they're serving in VBS. It's not for a few, guys. VBS is just not, evangelism is not one department, it's a church. You know, NBA, the NBA, as John comes to play, the NBA have a sixth man. Do you know every year the NBA give a special trophy for the bench warmer? You know that? I'm sorry if I'm offending any sixth man, yeah. When you go to heaven... When they announce your name, don't be Sean Play, a wonderful sixth man. I want to be Sean Play, MVP. That's what I want to be, for soccer. You know. The problem with us, we got so comfortable delegating to the few, and you warm your bench. Get out of your bench, as I'm saying. Parents, perhaps I'm talking to prodigal parents today that need to come to the altar with your children and renew your faith in Jesus. Renew your passion in Jesus. You're a masterpiece. Don't let the enemy rob you and tell you otherwise. Listen to Samuel Rutherford. Man, this this quote messes me up. It's on the screen. Grace withers without adversity. You can't sneak quietly into heaven without a cross. Crosses form us into his image. They cut away the pieces of our corruption. Oh Lord, curve, cut, curve, wound. Lord, do anything to perfect your image in us and make us fit for your glory. Oh, what I owe to the file, hammer, and the furnace. My God. Lord. I am a masterpiece for you as everyone stands in this room. Lord, finish in me. Let me shine bright, Lord. Put me through the furnace. Continue the painting on my canvas.